G'day, this is Stu from UAV Futures, and you're listening to the Wild Flyers podcast. Pilots, arm your quads as we go live on the tone in less than five. Hey, and welcome to episode, uh, I don't even know, of the Wild Flyers podcast. A podcast that covers not only FPV, but pretty much everything RC. And in fact, this will probably be the series finale of our podcast as you guys know we haven't been on quite a while um life gets in the way sometimes that's just the way things go but we've been having a lot of fun i'm your host trek and fpv joined by some special guests today i have i am droncheria hello i have a snow king back from uh, the early days of the wildfires podcast what's going on guys and after we hunted him down, chased him down, told him, don't worry about the makeup, you, you're not going to be on camera, we have our friend, Drew Camden, <laughs> better known as LaDrib, from all the way over from Rotoriaville. How you doing, Drew? Hey, guys. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. And yeah, just side note, he's only half kidding because I <laughs> missed our first time slot schedule for today because I'm bad at scheduling. And I'm like, I'm not going to have enough time to, to take a shower, do my makeup, set up my lights, set up my camera. And then later they're like, dude, we don't even use video. And I was like, oh, we could have done that then. Whoops. So here we are. Glad we're finally getting this on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great to have you because, you know, we, the last the very last time we all got together, um, at least on the podcast without you, we had Chad and Tyler mm-hmm. here. Chad, uh, Capper, of course, of of Road to Riot fame, and uh, the guy who kind of started it all, and uh, Tyler Brennan, who runs Race Day Quads, a good friend of ours, and was a long term supporter of our show. So, I I know that you 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 are familiar with those two guys. I think maybe you hung out with them. Absolutely, absolutely. They uh, kind of own the the company that I run, <laughs> so <laughs> I talk to them on a on a daily basis. Yes. <laughs> So how awesome. how have things been going in the um in the, the conglomerate there? It just insane. It's it's been uh really good. Um we've grown so much while uh while doing kind of the fulfillment with uh race day quads and I've learned a lot from uh from Tyler. I mean for such a young age he's got, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff figured out when it comes to uh, running a really uh, effective and efficient operation. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been good having Tyler as, as kind of a, a board member, I, I suppose you'd call him. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Tyler, Tyler is an, I agree with you 100%. He's an amazing guy. I always like follow him on Facebook, and he always posts pictures of like him living his normal life with his, with his uh, wonderful fiance. And I don't know if she's mm-hmm. a good wife yet or not, but. It it is kind of amazing what that guy is up to, considering he's like a fighter pilot trainee and in the Air Force, and also running like one of the biggest FPV shops, you know, around, and maybe two mm-hmm. of them, kinda. Um, and you, yeah, you, no, I mean he's been running our store. But you said that you told us a little bit pre-show that 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 might start switching up pretty soon. Yes, we. It was kind of always the plan that. Um, Rotor Riot would you know, eventually want to have a fulfillment center of its own, really stand on its own. Um, and uh, we're doing that a little bit sooner than planned, but uh, I mean, I'm psyched about it. It's really only possible because of you know what we've learned from you know working so closely with Race Day Quads. And um, so we are, uh, yeah, in, in the process of setting up 
the Rotoriot warehouse to actually be its own fulfillment center. So we are currently buying inventory, building shelves, getting everything ready to start doing um, shipments of our own, having our own inventory, doing everything. And as part of that, Quadbox has actually come over from California. So that, uh, you know, we'd been back and forth as to like, well, do we even keep the Rotorite warehouse for now? What do we do? We kind of want to use it for something. And then things started lining up with Quadbox. And so just with that and some other things happening that I'm not one to mention just yet, um, a lot of things just lined up that were like, dude, let's just let's just go for it. Let's just we got all the dominoes lined up. Let's try and knock them down all at once. So we're bringing quad box into the Rotoriot warehouse. We're setting up Rotoriot's first finally, you know, in-house owned inventory and you know fulfillment center for its retail store. And uh, and I'm psyched, but also right now very stressed because <laughs> it's yes. super. Uh, <laughs> we're we're cutting it close. I know that you guys have a lot going on. I mean, there's been a lot of product development that's gone on with the Rotoriot brand over the last few months. I know it's probably going to probably at some point accelerate or just kind of mm-hmm. take on new life. Um, you've been doing recently the Vanover Motors. You know, I think Alex has kind of come to the forefront quite a bit in in the uh, organization of late. Yeah. And he's, he's still really young, right? I mean, he's still, he's still a young bloke. Is he even out that of- kid? I, I honestly worry about him. Yeah, he's like 19. He's just out of high. He's one year graduated from high school, and right now he's not. You know, he's not doing college at the moment. Um, he has always said that he only wanted to kind of do the drug thing, kind of temporarily, and then eventually go to college. But I'm like, dude, you're the best. Like, you're, you're, you know, everyone wants to be a pro pilot. He is that, and he's like, eh. I think I'm going to drop the pro pilot thing and go get a degree so I can be a weatherman. Like, I'm not kidding. Like that was <laughs> lately awesome. with the way things. So I don't want to speak for him, but lately with the way things have been going, I think he's considering sticking around in the drone. That's yeah. I, I mean, I get that he wants to kind of, you know, do the become an adult now thing. Cause really all of mm-hmm. us playing around with our, our toy drones you know, when you, you did the adult thing, you were part of the, you know, the, the big three megaplex there in Detroit. And now you, right now you got to live your, your fantasy life of, of doing the stuff that you love. He, he hasn't gotten that. <laughs> Which then turned yet. back into adult <laughs> though. I mean, that was the weird thing for me is, yeah, that the, you know, I originally did kind of look at it as like, oh yeah, I'm going away from the, uh, the corporate adult life to, you know, live the dream. And I am, I, I mean, yeah, I, I do feel like I lived the dream, but also now that I actually run a company, it's like somehow, you know, <laughs> this turned into being way more adult than we ever even started. Like, you know, now I'm, you know, responsible for, for way more than uh, than I originally bit off, but it's it's awesome. I mean, that's great, man. I, I think I think Rotorad's in a lot of good stuff and you know, wanted to get into some heavier topics. I know people are thinking, probably, uh, you know, thinking about these things as we're talking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so with Rotoriot's increased notoriety, with some of the attention coming to Rotoriot, I think there's sort of been this vocal minority on on the web, maybe on Twitter, on Facebook, certainly, with that um, mm-hmm. that other Rotoriot group that kind of has been wreaking a little bit of havoc for you guys. Maybe they don't see it that way. 
I know Joshua was getting like pizzas delivered to his house and all this crazy stuff going on. Have you have yeah. you tried to reach out to anyone? Like, what what are your thoughts on all that craziness? I know sometimes people go in that group, but I think mostly you've been trying to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm out of that. I pretty much just stick to our group now, which is, I mean, I think it's amazing. I mean, I think our Facebook group is is better than ever. Um, we've really made it just a positive place. I mean, you scroll through and it's really now nothing but people helping each other with, you know, build tips and flying tips, sharing their flight videos. So I really like what the Facebook group has become. Um, I think, you know, the path to get there uh, maybe upset some people because in the past we really ran it more open and let a lot of things fly um, and really looked at it more as a public space. But as the group grew and got to, you know, 30,000 plus people and as the sport became more mainstream and we have younger people coming in and we have parents writing to us about some of the content that's being posted in the group and really seeing Rotor Riot as responsible for what is posted in the group by people that aren't Rotor Riot, you know, we you know really tighten things up and it's all been for the better but you know change is upsetting for people and i think uh um yeah definitely uh rubbed some people the wrong way and and kind of created this you know kind of spin-off and i i would love for there to be a, and I, there are i like the other groups that where thing where more things are liberal and things just fly that was always encouraged but it was done in a way that was really like anti-rotor riot and I think the biggest mistake that we made was even like validating it by, you know, just kind of ignored it out of existence. But the more that we tried to, you know, you know, win the haters over or, you know, ask people, you know, kind of our side on them, it just really made it worse. So that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've read, I, I, I don't know. There's there's this weird fascination that I don't really understand with like with Chad and people being very anti-Chad for some reason. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a very sweet guy. <laughs> um, you know, maybe I don't I every Chad little... is he is one of my best friends. I mean, sincerely, he not only owns the, you know, company, company uh that I'm in charge of, but, you know, so he's my boss. But he is one of my best friends, and he is one of the most genuine, amazing people that I've ever encountered. But he's, you know, he's a unique dude. He's, uh, he's very much a straight shooter, and I think that's like off-putting to people. Like he, it's like there's no passive aggression with Chad. Like he's so he's so anti-passive aggression to a fault. You know, like the amount of directness. I think, like people. But I cope with it in a sense, you know. <laughs> What's up? I said he's he's more like a drill sergeant. I mean, he's a military man, is he not? Yes, yes, he is. Uh, he was a marine. So it, I I would say that's probably more of the marine than anything else in the way that he acts. But right. that's a, a good thing, you know. I think so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it mm-hmm. shouldn't matter if you, if you do not like the videos Rotor Ride's putting out. If you don't like the guy who's running it, you just don't have to be a part of it, I guess, but right. To actively go out and bash it, I guess is the part that I don't understand as much. 
Um, just let it be. Well, like, it's not for me, so that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's. I mean, rotor ride just is such a focal point um, that uh, people care a lot, you know, and that, and I think that's what really breeds that. I mean, it's kind of a nice problem to have in a way. I think what's weird is that yeah, we do. We have like dedicated hate groups, and I <laughs> look at like some of the. <laughs> big youtubers that i follow like you know this skateboard vlogger and he's got like half a million subscribers way more than rotor ride he does not have a hate group he does not, <laughs> there's no <laughs> casey neistat might have a hate group but i don't even think it's as big as ours and you know why i think that is is because um rotor God, uh, rotor riot plays such a part in the FPV industry that it, it like makes up such a percentage. So I guess let me, let me approach this from another way. I kind of lurk in other communities, for example, the Star Wars community. Now, if you think the FPV community has infighting and toxicity, oh my God, dude, those Star Wars people are nuts. <laughs> they are so divided over kind of the newer films and the new yeah. direction that Lucasfilm is taking Every and all this, has all this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the difference. Ultimately the conflict in the star Wars community goes up the chain all the way to Disney, which is a multi-billion dollar company, right? So it's this massive industry, uh, massive, massive company that when you're punching a company that's you, they're not affecting Disney like in any way. I mean, maybe yeah. you know the boycott after the solo film hurt some of the the movie sales of the next. But either way, it's it's so much smaller. So now, go to the FPV community. If Rotor Riot does something that maybe is divisive in the community, it's going to have that same relativistic effect. But the difference is like I'm just a dude living in like a single story house in. Florida like I just live in a teeny house like I'm just like I'm not you know I'm not uh I'm not the president of Disney so it's very like the scale the scaling the relativism of it all is so freaking weird you know I don't know if that makes sense but just when I think about it in that perspective it's like really weird yeah people get it's definitely true there's a there's definitely some passion in the FPV community I remember when um that recent dust up with Joshua and um um, Chris from Armatan, from Armatan, mm -hmm. yeah, and like even that got really. I mean, that was just. I mean, the like to everyone else, like that was just an issue between Joshua and a little bit wrote a riot because that's where the video was, and you know he paid for it and all that, and 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 Chris. So well, no, that's uh, I don't even want to get into. That. I've stayed so far out of that one. <laughs> I know, uh, I, know. But I it's like oh, it's just that... as, with. That one, that one burned me because that was him and you know that was between Chris and Josh. Everything, and then somehow Rotorite got dragged in, and I mean, I'll, I'm going to stand by my pilots though. So you know, yeah, right. It's, but if, but even yeah, so, like that whatever. was a that was an internal that was an internal issue, um, just between mm -hmm. two businesses, and it's just weird that everyone got dragged into the conversation. And part of that was Chris; mm -hmm. he, he kind of came out and vented a bit on social media and then Joshua mm -hmm. got, you know, they back and forth. So it's just, it is, but it's, I, I'm only using that to illustrate the point that it, it is a weird little, 
we have weird little family where we all like don't some uncles don't like some aunts and everyone kind of fights a little bit and doesn't get along all the time and it's weird yeah a lot of people just like to stay out of it but it's unfortunate i think a part of it is that this is such a diverse community which is one of the best things about it you know so you breed such so i think in most aspects of people's uh, you know social life they end up with you know mostly similarly uh, like politically leaning people <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mean to make it about politics but just as an example right um you know if you're if you're conservative you surround yourself with mostly conservatives you're liberal you surround yourself with mostly liberals now the fpv community is very diverse so you, now you're finally like bringing this diversity in which was in the past, I think more normal, but the advent of the internet has allowed people to be more selective with their social circles. So it's like going, That's true. it's like this new technology has now come full circle and now forcing us back into a diversity that I think a lot of people have secluded themselves from. And like, this is kind of the result. And then you also have this like screen in front of you that acts as a shield. So then you're way less, you know, timid, you're so much more inhibited, you'll just say it, you know, you'll <laughs> keyboard warriors, right? So it's yeah. it's such a, the whole FPV community is like such a interesting social ex- experiment. Like I, I really love it at the end of the day uh, through all the ups and downs. It is, it is an interesting, it's definitely an interesting dichotomy. We're all, everyone who's in it is, we're kind of all in the same stratosphere and we can obviously afford like these kind of expensive toys to play with. So already we're mm-hmm. kind of on the same level in that way. Um, so I wanted to ask you now, we're, we're talking about community. You've had some recent departures from your community and I wondered if you, if you had a, any, you know, way to talk about that. And Stinger Swarm, I think was kind of a surprise for people. And, and Tommy obviously decided a little earlier on in the year that he wasn't going to be a part of Rotor Ride anymore. Was there anything we could say about that? Um, no, I mean, it's, I, I don't want to speak for them. I mean, I, I can only say my side of things is just that I think they're both, you know, phenomenal pilots. And I think, you know, where that came about was as the comp the company transitioned, uh, kind of through what I'd say was a, a rough period and went from being kind of run in one certain way and having different priorities and job functions changed. Um, they, you know, I think hard to um, say. Had, it's hard to say. I don't think they, they felt they had a, uh, a job that they wanted to pursue with the company. They wanted to focus more on being a pro pilot. And I think that was the, the difficulty was that in 2018, the business model, I don't want to call it the business model, the structural model I had for the company was that the pilots would also be the um, kind of the employees, right? And you would be, you know, a product developer by night and the pro pilot by day. And, you know, now we're taking a different structural approach where, you know, I want the pro pilots to just be pro pilots, right? And we can have a, a back end run by kind of the non pilots. There's gonna obviously I'm overlap. Jeff Orta still works for the company as well as being one of the the Rotor Riot you know host pilots. So there's always gonna be overlap. But but things shook up, you know. And we moved to Florida, and it was uh, you know I don't think 
everyone that worked for the company necessarily wanted to relocate their life. And that happened pretty suddenly. Like that definitely played a part in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't necessarily expect everyone to be willing to move for a job. But I mean, that's a thing that happens in the world. Like sometimes you have to move for your job. Yeah. But and you choose whether you want to, you know, stay with that company or not. I feel like I'm hogging the mic. Does anybody else? You know, they, uh, uh, you know, I'm the hog in the mic. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, I feel like I was hogging the mic. <laughs> no, uh, so now with Vanover, uh, mm-hmm. I like watch Vanover. Vanover is for a racer. I, I, I can't say enough. He's one of the, one of the best, if not yeah. the best other, other than Evan Turner. Um, is Rotoriot going to be focusing on some racing a little bit more? Uh, you know, I'd kind of look to Alex for that. I mean, I, 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 I want all the pilots to be able to be passionate about what they're passionate and, and kind of influence the, uh, the ongoings of the team and, um, in a way that they care about and in a way that, you know, proves results. So Alex is kind of the first Rotor Riot member that has been so passionate about racing. So I'm really excited that we have that. Um, it's, just in the past, we haven't had a pilot that that shared that passion. So now that we do, I think you're naturally going to see more racing in the um, in the content. And uh, I know Alex also has been, um, you know, wanting to bring more people onto the hype train team. So recently, he brought Justin Skinner, who's gosh, why am I blanking on his pilot name? Oh, that is awful of me. I, I have to look that up. But he's Justin is a phenomenal um, racer. And also a great freestyler, and he was Alex's pick for uh, for the hype train team. So, so I guess the short answer is, oh, by the way, Justin Skinner, it will be be fun. That's his pilot name. So he's an awesome pilot. So yeah, I, th- I think we're going to be doing more racing stuff, and that's kind of because of Vanover, you know. So do you awesome. feel like do you feel like Vanover kind of signifies or exemplifies like maybe this this younger, newer crowd because? The, the biggest names so far that we've really been paying the most attention to, at least watching YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff, has been guys who have been around for a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not calling you old, Drew, but I'm not calling you young. <laughs> I'm, al- I'm almost 30, dude. I'm almost 30. Oh, my God. You're young. So that just hit me. I, I turned 30 in April. That's, uh, whew. You turned 30 in there. April? Uh, so you're 29 now? Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I think Alex, well, it's weird because like, yes, and I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) So Alex is like, yes to no. He definitely represents, I think a new youth that's, we're seeing more in the hobby, but Alex doesn't, he's been flying RC for years and years and years. He's incredibly talented with, um, fixed wing airplanes and collective pitch helicopters. So it's weird because he's kind of a hybrid. He's like this young new kid, but he's also an old timer. He's been flying RC for way longer than me. So it's like yes and no, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the the new people that were coming in, that we're seeing coming into our uh, our sport and lifestyle, hobby, whatever you want to call it, are new to RC altogether. I think that's a characteristic that really is like that we see a lot of um 
what I think is kind of like the new audience, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. So I'm I'm curious a little bit a bit about your beginnings because you know I know that you at least professionally started out working in the auto industry, but how did uh, right. how did how did FPV and drones kind of become what they are to you today? Um. Yes, I, I, you know, working in the auto industry for engineering, it was very challenging. It was a lot of problem solving every day, but there was this huge hole in my life in terms of kind of the creativity thing. I mean, I, you know, my favorite classes in high school were art and I used to, I wanted to go to art school until I kind of realized that like, okay, dude, if we're going to pay for university, uh, I should get, I felt like I should go for a degree that was more directly employable. And I did like physics, so I went engineering. And and I guess that's it, is that I always liked both the art and science. And that's ultimately what drones are for me, is that this this hybrid of kind of technical, technical skills and creative expression, that from beginning to end, you're doing, you know, kind of a mechanical process of building this robot, and you're doing some interaction with software, you know, mild coding, even when you get into the CLI aspect of things, uh, you know, setting up beta flight, then it's actually this practiced, you know, physical skill of learning to fly and be good at flying. Then you take the fruits of that flying, put it into a computer, and then you have to start thinking about color, music, composition, timing, all that stuff. And the end result is this, what I think is an art piece. So it takes all of this technical science-esque expertise to create this art. So I think it's just the most, most beautiful coming together of, uh, of uh, skill sets. Well, that's an amazing, that's an amazing thing to say. I think that's really nice. <clears throat> I'm nowhere near as artistic you... as you, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw Tyler Brennan posted, uh, I want to say it's J true. Uh, FPV. Oh my gosh. That guy's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he he just posted a video two days ago. I mean, it, uh, it's got to be the best FPV video. I watched it like 10 times. You're talking yeah. about the di- that dive specifically was just <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> oh, I didn't even get to see it. I should really watch it. He oh, was so- all up in the crevasse. No one has ever crevassed as much as he. <laughs> it, uh, it was perfect. I mean, I, I seriously thought he was going to lose it. I mean, I don't even know how he even saw anywhere in that crevice. It was that. Crevice. Yeah. So, so the dive was cool. I mean, really good dive. Then he kind of turns so that he's nose in, and I'm like, that's cool. Then he starts going. I'm like, what? Are you, what are you doing? What? Are you? And then the loop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Blew my mind. <laughs> Wait. So who? Who, so who is this guy? So we people who want to go Google him can Google him. Jay True. Yeah, and Race Day Quads, I want to say, sponsors him as well. Yeah, I think he's the only one that RDQ sponsors. JTRFV. The, 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 this, that spot is legendary video? Maybe if, No, that's old. Yeah. Um, so, Whatever so the is. Yeah, so Drew. So, and the Rotor Riot community, right? So there is... What was that? Oh, so at that was one me, end, sorry. That was me Googling. Okay. So at one end, you have this huge list of pro pilots. And at the other mm-hmm. end, there are so many new people coming in to the FPV world, right? 
So did you really have this idea of the beginner series or was it something that Jeff came up with? Uh, that, the beginners, the, are you talking about like the learn to FPV uh, series yeah. that Jeff hosted? Yeah. Which yeah. I'm so psyched. We finally did that. That is something that Chad Capper has been beating a drum for, for, I mean, almost a year. And, um, I think Jeff was a really good fit for it. I think that he did a really great job of presenting it. So I would say the original idea was is Chad Capper's the um, kind of taking that idea and trying to put it into motion was you know me but then Jeff took that and turned it into his own thing and you know brought his own personality into it and okay. uh, I think I think I just think he did a great job because I think he makes videos that are just so kind of slow and approachable yeah. And you can watch them and they're soothing and it makes it feel so much like it's going to be okay, guys. I know yeah. it seems because cause when you first get an FPV, it's so overwhelming. Like, where do I start? Like, oh, my God, I have to get a degree in electrical engineering just to play with my toy. Like, what the hell? And Jeff's like, hey, man, I got you. We're going to walk yeah. through this together. <laughs> is, that also, is that also why you have Chad as a guinea pig in all the learn from the pro series? <laughs> yeah, poor Chad. <laughs> he no honestly that's more self-imposed it's it's like he's I know, I that's really that. who he is it's so funny because despite how long chad has been doing rc he's still embodies kind of the newcomer in that he just he doesn't want to solder he doesn't want to tune and you know i don't think that's a common perspective and it's i think a lot of people start with that perspective but they get over it they almost learn to love it and he just hasn't or almost maybe he's refused to. And I mean, I think that's a really useful perspective to have around because when you yeah. get into it, that is the perspective. So it is genuine for Chad, despite the fact that he's, he should be over it <laughs> by now. Most yeah. people would be over it, but I'm glad he's not because he reminds us of the things that us snobby spoiled pilots forget. Yeah. So, so, so coming back to you now. So we have been talking a little bit about you. So wait, actually, I wanted to build on what you, if you don't mind, I wanted to build on what yeah, sure. um, what he said real quick because you brought up an interesting point. Like Chad doesn't want to solder, he doesn't want to build. I I feel like there's kind of two forces working to that end. I think there's more people who, at least from people I've seen post online, like either they're brand new and they don't know what they're doing and mm -hmm. they don't really they don't really want to take the time to learn, right? And then you also have companies like Diatone, like I have two of them personally, uh, like the Diatone mm -hmm. GT349, like stuff that comes really good. We never had this before, but yeah. stuff that comes really good out of the box, just slap a receiver in there and you're ready to go. And even Diatone, like you just plug an RXSR in there and, and go. Yeah, um, so like awesome. It's cool. And then you have like Tyler, you know, starting to stock a lot of the stuff in his store, like stuff that you used to only be able to get on Banggood. And then the prices went up at Banggood. So now like he stocks everything. It's even cheaper sometimes at his store. I mean, where do you see the future of building and customizing and stuff like that go when you have people like people, you know, like Chad and also really good options out there now? So where do we even begin with this? <laughs> I guess first off, building, it's not going to go anywhere because even though you know you can go buy a um 
you're going to be able to go buy a mid-engine Corvette for what does that start at sixty thousand dollars? You know, basically, I think I think the new mid-engine Corvette starts at like sixty grand or something, like maybe seventy. Either way, it's a I mean, it's meant to compete with a Ferrari, right? Like, that's awesome, dude. But despite (laughs) that, there are still people that want to buy a um, Subaru BRZ for. $18,000 and then dump $40,000 into it doing turbo kits and suspension. So the, um, there's always going to be that side of enthusiasts that want to do the building themselves. So even maybe if you start with the diatone, you might start doing the quad mods, right? Hopping up the motors, changing out the flight controller. So it's going to be a different maybe way that people get into that, but the building is not going anywhere. I just think that overall, it's a departure from the old norm that to enjoy flying, you also had to learn to enjoy building. And why should it be like that? If you just want, cause I'll tell you what, if you just want to build, no one laughs at you for that. And there are people that just build quad after quad after quad and just kind of puts around the field and that's fine. You know, they just kind of enjoy that. It's like yeah. putting together a puzzle, but then there's people that are like, dude, I just want to rip. Why do I have to build? And there's a stigma in that right now, and I think Chad is absolutely an uh, like kind of the, the an advocate, the lead advocate for like that's bad, and I really agree with that. That is bad. There should not be any shame in just enjoying flying and not wanting to build. Um, but I think inevitably everyone will end up doing some level of building, even if it's just swapping out and hopping up the motors. Because, yeah, you know, if you end up in the cars, eventually you're like, you know what? I'm going to put a louder exhaust on my car because, like, vroom, vroom, motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I agree do with you. Do we swear like, on this podcast? I've been, build... I've been so good until just now. No, it's totally fine. You're totally allowed to. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I used to build a lot, and I got sick of just crashing five-inch quad after five-inch quad and destroying them. So now I'm just in the micros and just flying the three-inch guys because I think they just survive a little better um, with the crashes mm-hmm. and stuff. But. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like now that I can get really good stuff out of the box, it's built and like the, the video feed is clean, you know, like the control is good, like everything's good about it. I'm like, uh, I'm kind of done building, but I think you need those skills at the very least to fix things when they break. Cause they will break like VTX will be, right. out, you know, your camera will get shattered as you know, um, stuff will break and you'll have to know how to at least get in there and kind of fix it. Even if you can't put a quad together from scratch well, why couldn't it be plug and play i mean you know, it could, why couldn't you it could but there's still going to be a, mm-hmm. a, a cracked connector or something that's going to happen where you you might need to use a little bit more skill to get back on in the right mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah are you are you implying something like dji coming out with everything being plug and play at one point is, is that what well, you're saying i mean it, it 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 practically is i mean Imagine if there – well, actually, it's already released. There's a T-motor stack that you can plug the DJI system into right now, and you're done. You plug your your DJI system into the T-motor flight controller, and with one plug, you have your transmitter. Your video. Your trans, sorry, you have your receiver, like your RC link. You have your video transmitter, and you have your camera done the only thing you have to solder up is the wires so then what if you put on a three-pronged connector for the uh the motor wires and then like you're done with that too like we're pretty much there it's you know we're like maybe one generation away from it being um a lot more commonplace 
Yeah, I, and like, why not? The plug and play ability, like, the only problem it generates is then you have proprietary parts. I mean, they started this when, when squads started getting kind of big. There was a lot of these proprietary connectors, and you know, if you bought some like cheap crap from Eoshin or whatever, you had all these proprietary connectors that you just couldn't find. Or at least at the mm-hmm. time, they were pretty proprietary. Right now, they're pretty commonplace, but... Oh, exactly. Like, oh, so I can't will, plug my will that happen that again? I don't know. The wrong connector. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. You know, I guess we'll see how it happens. I mean, because, yeah, it started out maybe a little more proprietary, but now pretty much every cam- every analog camera plug is the same. They've got the same wire order. They've got the yep. same connector. You can use a Foxier plug and a run cam camera. Right, you used to not I be mean, able to. You used to not be able to. They used to be different. Right. So I, I would love to hope that we would also achieve that that type of standardization, but it's you know it's hard in a um, industry this small where we don't have something like you know the Society of Automotive Engineers, which you know is like a you know that's a conglo- conglomerate of um, members from Ford, Chrysler, Toyota, whatever, all everyone coming together and agreeing, okay, we're going to use this type of connector. Um, I can't necessarily imagine all the uh, the lead manufacturers in the FPV no. industry sitting around a table and actually playing nice, unfortunately. But yeah. I can hope. I can Nobody hope, plays right? nice. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, so it's the plug-and-play thing is almost here. I mean, Flight One's been doing it for a while now, too. Their boards, are some of them are all plug-and-play. Um, I think my ideal preference would be that everything is like that a flight controller would have the plugs available for plug and play, but that maybe on the other side you also have solder pads so that if you're more experienced and your connector breaks, then you don't have to replace the flight board. You can be like, no, I got this. I'm a pro pilot and I can solder it myself, you know? And Or if, you know, you just want the increased durability of not having the connectors, right? right. So you could kind of take it to that next level. You know, that brings me to my, yeah. my interesting question because I wanted to find out kind of around the room um, – what you think? What you think the the biggest jump in, or the biggest improvement or enhancement in like FPV technology overall has been in like the last six months or the last year? And for I would say for me, if you don't mind me starting off, I think, however it worked out, like everyone getting, just every VTX you pull off the shelf now having some sort of smart audio or tramp telemetry, whatever it is, like. It used to be hard to find, or you had to go out and try and find a VTX that had that. And now they're just—it's so commonplace that every device has it. You buy like a cheap little quad from Happy Model, it has it. Like across the board, I think that mm-hmm. for me made the biggest difference in terms of FEV. But I'm pretty sure it's not the biggest. So for me, I think it's the advent of micros coming into the market. Like literally every other week, you see a new micro quad coming in that really helps the beginners you know because you really don't know whether you want to spend 500 bucks on a five inch quad and then no i then realize you know i don't like flying but you can just (laughs) spend 100 bucks you know just 100 bucks and get a small one fly it first and see how good it how good you are whether you like it or not and then you move on from there yeah for beginners definitely yeah yeah absolutely for like the toothpick class is something that kind of came out of nowhere yeah. How about, how about you, Drew? Sit there thinking about it. I don't know. Yeah, I've been thinking. Let me skip. Let me skip. Uh, All right. Okay. Um, I'll, let, I'll let you continue to think. What about you, James? I gotta say, Betaflight in itself. Okay. I I mean, 4.0, 4.1, it flies phenomenal. 
if you've flown like a CC3D or whatever, <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. from clean flight or Libre pilot, it's a night and day difference. And I'm I'm running RPM filters currently. It's I have absolutely like no prop watch whatsoever. It is such a phenomenal software. I mean, that, that, that's probably the best thing I can say. Yeah, I, I would agree definitely that Betaflight has come a long way in the last year for sure. I mean, ever since version 3, maybe like 3.5, it really just hit a stride and took off. I haven't gotten a chance really to play with version 4 much myself because I, I put it an early version on some quads and it wasn't really doing too well, so I kicked it back down to 3.5.7 or something. But, yeah, I mean, overall, and I've never played with Flight 1 either, but um beta flight just the control software i think you just say the control software in general flight one included has just come so far in the last year it's 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 impressive mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, back yeah. yeah well so yeah it, there's a number of things I, I agree the flight control software it's just a feat that that speed in which it's been developed is you know unheard of in any larger industry uh, you know the the open source nature of how Betaflight has come about is it's just not possible i mean it's not possible anywhere else but in the fpv world so what has been accomplished is amazing I, yeah I, I have to agree that flight control software is i mean it's what has made freestyle and racing pot possible in the way that it is um so that's, I mean, I think the biggest innovation when it comes to actual flight ability. Um, but then the other element of this hobby is also the ability to see, and that's, you know, an FPV. And yeah, I think the, you know, to, having the uh, video transmitter talk to the, uh, um, the flight controller, that integration, that's a big deal. Um, race band is a big deal. Having a standard set of frequencies that we can all use in a in an easier way. Yep. Um, but but honestly, I mean, dude, the DJI system is the biggest freaking deal in a long, long time. It's so many of the things that we all just talked about wrapped up into one. The, that level of integration and user friendliness and the fact that you're flying hd is just it's unbelievable it's it's probably the biggest breakthrough in uh since i don't know what you know so yeah i i have to say the dji but you know i want to say that all these other things along the way lead up to that you know yeah well do you think i mean do you guys think that um the fat truck's going to have a serious competitor with its bite frost bite bite frost bite frost what was it I would love for them to. I mean, I, I, I love competition. I would, you know, love to see an alternative just so that then they're always trying to one up each other. I think that makes for the best, um, for the best, uh, result for the consumer. But I mean, I guess I can't really speak to right now that bite frost. You kind of cut out. Sorry. I was saying that. This this isn't meant to be a jab, but right now the bite frost is nothing but hype because no one's really flown it. It's not been flown by more than you know people that are kind of internal to the development. So until it actually meets the road and gets in the hands of real people, like I have no clue 
So I see the post saying, oh, Bite Frost just blew DJ out of the water. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, it's not out yet. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy thing to say. And I hope it does. Not because I want DJI to lose, but because DJI's offering is so amazing that if something comes out that blows it out of the water, I don't even know what it's like. If whatever beats that, awesome. So, yeah. sure, you know. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not just a fat shark, right? There is Foxy also coming up with a digital VTX. I was not aware of that. I didn't, yeah, I I didn't hear it, about the Foxier thing either. I, I forgot the name, Nebula or Nebu, something like that. It just came up in posts today morning. It's exciting. Foxier, digital FPV. So, I mean, digital's an interesting idea too. I mean, they have the mix, right? So they've been doing like some some digital, but with analog still with, the, uh, with some of their products. I, th- I mean, the problem which Joshua's video, uh, Joshua Barbell's video kind of showed is like, you know, I think what's going to kind of keep people uh, unsure about flying digital and flying HD is, you know, and it happens to all of us, right? Like you get in some sticky situation where if you're an analog, you can still kind of see, you can kind of fly through some of this, the, the static and you can make out the horizon a little bit. But if, if they're having like drop frames in situations like that, it might be really hard to, you know, you're probably going to lose your quad once in a while. I think it's it's like a different skill set that I'm still learning myself. And so, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to fly the system as often as I can to develop that skill set because I think that the ability that us pilots have <laughs> have practiced yeah. to basically be able to fly through a very you know snowy image, like to to fly through um, you know rain on the windshield without the wipers going. That's something that we've learned and adapted to. And I am, I'm not going to say one way or another, but I am curious and believe there's a chance that that skill set can be learned for the faults that you experience with digital FPV as well. I think today specifically, I got a little session in today and I think today I had this click where, um, I started feeling like when I have that momentary freeze frame, I'm starting to develop this skill where I'm like, I know which way the quad was moving. And I, it's like, I almost like don't see it anymore. You know, like when you, you get so used to seeing static, it's like, you know, once you are in the matrix, you don't even see the matrix anymore. You just see the numbers, right? So you get so used to seeing analog static that you don't see that static anymore. Your brain like erases it because you've done it for so long. Like, I kind of think we'll develop similar skills because I know that I had, I, I was flying today and I was at a construction site and I was behind multiple concrete walls and all this stuff. And so I started having some frame drops and like, dude, I felt like I'm like, dude, I'm killing it. Like I'm flying through this like a champ. I feel like my brain just had a little click where all of a sudden I have that little blip and it doesn't freak me out. I'm like, I know what's going on and boom, now it's back because when it comes back, it's, it's still, it's on time. Like when it comes back, you're linked back up. It's in real time again. Yeah. So it's kind of like a new thing to see through. So it's like a trade-off. Like what's worth have what's worse having like rain on the windshield or having the image freeze for a second. If I had to choose one, you know, now and forever, I would choose the rain on the windshield because I already have a proven skill set for it. So I know that I can do it, and I'm still developing the new skill set. But I believe I'll 
keep getting better at it. And I guess we'll have to see where, where I'm at in like two months, two or three months. Have you gotten to fly that and an analog system together yet? Yeah, I do it all the time. I don't know why I keep, I just did it today. I was flying with two other analog quads in the air. I did it in Detroit. Like the video I just posted, um, most recently where I was flying at that Detroit bando up and down the hallways, uh, I was there with two guys and they were flying analog almost all the time when I was flying. It's just not been a problem. Okay. All right. Cause I know I just, I did see that Joshua had posted um, his experiment or whatever, and it really wasn't a, a true experiment with two pilots in the air, you know? Uh, so I kind of want to see how that would be for, I guess, racing. Is that all about, real world usage so here's what, here's what i can say today was the first time there was actually a problem when i flew in detroit we just so happened to be on three channels that didn't interfere we had no problem i don't even remember what channels we were on because we didn't even we didn't even ask we plugged in and be like everyone good okay rip so today um i took off jeff was flying i took off i was flying and i started having real bad frame droppage like, like real actually that's kind of when i had that you know, click moment I was talking about because I was having really bad frame drops, but I was flying through it anyway. And I'm like, dude, I'm getting good at this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I was like, what is going on? Are my antennas unplugged? And um, Jeff had changed channels. And so now he was really close to my channel. And it's funny because he actually won. Like the anal his analog system like kind of beat out my system. Like he didn't have any breakup, but I was having crazy bad frame droppage. So I landed, I changed, I just clicked the button on the side of the goggles change channels um and then it was fine again so it wasn't that hard i mean it's pretty much like what we do today we have to space out the channels so you just space out the channels and like you're gonna be you're gonna be fine okay all right well the i mean that's what i like to hear it's i can't currently afford a dji system for my quads but it's mm -hmm. good to know in the future that it could be used at a race as long as it's tested and proven to to be able to space them out properly. I definitely share yeah, your I, excitement about it. I mean, we're, we, we are where we are, and it's pretty, like, it's still early days on this, mm -hmm. and we're already here. You know, it's like we're already really, really good. So it can only get better from mm -hmm. here. Right, right. I mean, I don't think it's a perfect system. It's too big to fit in my signature frame. That sucks. <laughs> well, that's um, a problem. That's a bummer. Uh, the goggles are really uncomfortable. That sucks but this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened at the same time. So it's like, uh, it's like, uh, I don't know, like we got to be thankful for this and know that like, this isn't where it ends. It's not like, I sure hope it's not. And I don't think that anyone is saying that like, Hey, this is what digital HDFPV is going to be like, and that's it forever. So this is as good as it's going to get. Oh, it sucks. It's never going to happen. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is the biggest breakthrough we've ever seen. And if it gets better from here like oh my god we're in store like what a time to be alive just like oh my god <laughs> like what a time to be alive <laughs> that is, that is awesome. so it sounds like you're in the camp of like uh maybe in five years we're all gonna be flying hd and this is gonna be like analogs and be like oh you still have an analog camera what do you use that to like fly backwards use that for your I, micros dude i'm so i'm curious Oh, you broke up again. How long? Like, what the time? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm really, really curious as to exactly how this is going to play out, what the timeline is going to be. I actually think, it'll, I mean, I think it'll be faster for, than that, um, just because, I mean, FPV hasn't really even been around in its current form for five years. Um, but uh, I don't, like, I don't, like, okay, I think, I wonder if, like, manual transmissions are going to be, like, a similar analogy. So, higher performance automatics today in like high performance sports cars are better in every way imaginable. Like the new mid engine Corvette I mentioned doesn't even come in manual anymore. It's only automatic and it's just better. It's just, it's going to outperform any other manual, Right. but people still like yep. manuals because of that connected feeling. I can say that I do right now feel more connected to my quad when flying analog. And I think like the way I look at it's like with analog, there's no video processing really happening. It's just pumping straight video feed into your eyeballs, right? Whereas now with digital, there's this processing happening and all sorts of stuff happening in the background. But at the end of the day, like, it's just better. Like, you, it's so much, it's so much better. But do you trade off that connected feeling, that raw connected feeling of a manual transmission? Right. I don't know. You know, so I, I almost think that, like, gonna go the way of digital but you know maybe they'll keep an analog quad around you know for like ah you know sometimes i like to ha yeah i like to have the manual transmission experience like personally i have a manual transmission car and i'm gonna hold on to that as long as i can because i like that that old school connected feeling i would i would yep. equate the difference i don't know if manual and automatic is really the same to me because one is just like really manual transition on my transition except for the from the connected feeling standpoint i understand your analogy but from a technology standpoint they're really the same thing it's just either you're shifting the gears or it's doing it sort of an automatic way with mm -hmm. with other mechanical connections but it's I, not I almost, a perfect I almost think analogy it, not a perfect <laughs> analogy but i almost equate the movement from moving from analog fpv to digital fpv and, and also hd like the jump from using a, a gasoline engine car to an electric car like that's a big still the same Ooh, functionality but we're just going we're switching. Uh, 3G to 4G. A, I think that's a really good analogy actually because people yep. keep trying to poke holes at electric cars they're like ooh electric cars they catch on fire and I'm like yeah. oh yeah you're like gasoline a battery in the middle of the highway it's like no you really not <laughs> they're getting yeah. better too like the range is getting better they're getting you know they're fast obviously they're fast right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that fastness uh, I think a that's model a really good analogy. 2.8 seconds is 0 to 60, a, a Model S. Well, that, how is that, that legal? That, so crazy. It, it, it that's is ridiculous. That's true. And, like, you, could, you, could say, you could make that same analogy comparison to like the, the, the increase in power and speed that you have from going from a gas to an electric car around the same level, like the same price, nearly the same price points, is the same mm -hmm. as like going from the crappy SD video signal we all fly with now to like getting a full hd like that's that's like going to zero to six right like that's your i like your analogy way better right, i like your analogy it. way better because yeah because yeah. because i'm gonna because yeah high performance electric vehicles outperform their gasoline counterparts like for unquestionably that's just a fact but well, like everyone complains like know. oh i gotta buy an electric car now it's more expensive it's so much more expensive in my house I have to use a proprietary plug. Yeah, it's uh, gonna suck, man. It's, oh man, the more you say it, 
Oh, yeah. that's a great you, analogy. And then you sit somebody in you sit somebody in a Model S or a Model Three, and you're like, "Hold on!" And you hit the fucking ludicrous button, and you just blast them into the back of their seat, and they're like, "Oh, I get it, <laughs> I get it." But when you get in that, you know, ZR1 uh, Corvette, or is that wait, is the ZR1 a Camaro? Whoops, I'm out of practice. When you get in your, uh... you got it right. It's a Corvette by ZR1, and it goes. And it goes, and the whole thing vibrates, and you feel that connectedness. You're like, oh, come on, that's cool. <laughs> that is very cool. So maybe we're always going to have like that sweet little analog setup that we still love to fly. Like it's a classic. We keep it in the garage. Right. We change this oil like once in a while. We take it out for a spin. But really, like every yeah. day, put the smile on our face. We're just we're just flying the HD FPV all the time. Dude, I think that's a good analogy. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very satisfied. I love a good analogy, and I feel much <laughs> satisfied with this analogy. <laughs> very good, very good. Moving All away right, so from DTI. I have some news. I want to get to some news because we love doing news here, and I think this is this is worthy of a discussion. I think I saw this actually on the Road Riot uh, group. So we will do some breaking news right now on the Wild Flyers podcast. Let me get my news sound. Where's my news sound? Where's my new sound? Sorry, it's going to be in your ears. Ooh, that was exciting. All right, so came out from the UK. Remember how we all um, lost our collective minds when we shut down Heathrow Airport with drones flying overhead? Jamesy, I think you were, Snow King, you were talking about this story. I think you made a comment about this guy being an oh, evil. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so this... Uh, what is- Wait, wait, let me tell the story and then we can talk about it. So this guy who's a climate change activist has decided that he's announcing, I don't know why he'd want to announce this, but he's announced um, that he's he plans to shut down Heathrow by just basically him and his compatriots flying a bunch of drones near the airfield uh, to make a statement on climate change, to make a statement on like, the polluting nature of commercial aircraft. I don't know. But uh, I think people are always starting to get pissed off. Heathrow is already like, yeah, go ahead and try it. We're going to throw your ass in jail. Scotland Yard's like, don't even get near us with drones. But this this kind of still makes us look like this reckless hobby of crazy air terrorists or something. Your thoughts, Drew? Just in general? Yeah, just in general about like Yeah, fuck that shit, dude. Don't use <laughs> don't fucking use my drones as your tool for your ecoterrorism. You know, whether whether or not I agree with your cause I don't even know the specifics. You know, maybe I do or don't agree with their cause. Like don't fucking use dr- like no. Like <laughs> yeah, so not a fan. So I don't think anyone on this call would be a fan, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean we you know, I it's it's obviously a stupid decision. I just I think the problem is is the perception and the impact that it has on us, right? Like back when they shut down Heathrow, with some maybe or maybe not, some moron was flying a drone near the airport. Everyone was pissed off. I hate drones. They maybe miss my flight for the next two days. It just kind of mm-hmm. like he's using it, and it, 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 there's a lot of collateral damage. I guess is my point. It's not just him. It's not just the climate change thing. It's not just the airport. It's like the perception of the public and the FPV and drones. Yeah. I mean, they just don't care though. I mean, like, do you care if, um, rollerblading got illegal? Like, would you really care? 
wouldn't no. affect me. <laughs> yeah, so they don't really care if drones get illegal. They're just trying to make their statement, and they don't they don't care. Yeah. That's so true. it's just, you know. Yeah. yeah. We've seen some stuff video-wise of people doing silly things and posting them online, like paralooping an airplane comes to mind. Yeah. Nature. Yeah. I guess I think it's worse when it's... Diving a bridge in a place where you're not allowed to fly drones comes to mind. We were found not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> there was no charge levied against us. Um, I think it was an educational piece, is what I understand. That was, I mean, we learned a lot from that. I mean, that was, so. I was you know, teasing. I was not trying to put you on the spot whatsoever. I was just teasing. Yeah, no, I mean, but I can speak pretty, the thing is I can speak very confidently about the Canada thing. I believe all of my points, but like I, I've never changed anyone's mind. Like the people mad at wrote a riot for that like they're still pissed like so it's i guess it's not really like i'm not going to change anyone's mind i know that but i still just feel like i know where i was coming from but you don't care and you know we learned a lesson or two from it so you know it's been a been a couple years we're in a better spot now maybe it's best to leave it at that (laughs) (laughs) poor canada i feel so bad for those guys yeah Yeah, go ahead shoot yeah Yeah. so i just love the way rotorat has changed after you have joined and i see how much you're involved in all the decision making and all the work that goes into it. How much has this affected your vlog? Because frankly, I love your vlogs. I always wait for your vlogs to be online and the flight videos at the end of it. So how much of that has, you know, affected your vlogs? Well, first I just want to say thank you for saying that. It really, really means a lot because like we talked about earlier with people being so passionate about what Rotor Riot does in certain directions it takes and that I'm responsible for that, you know, that negative energy gets directed at me. And, you know, I, I believe in the direction we're going a lot. Well, a lot. So thanks for saying that. Um, but your actual question about my vlogs yet, yeah, it's had an effect on it. I think, you know, I'm posting less now than ever. Um, I'm, I miss posting more and I want to get back to that. There's just always so many pressing things to, uh, to take care of. So, you know, my hope is to get the company to a more, you know, um, stable or, you know, autonomous place where, you know, I can put a little more time back in the, to that personal creative pursuit. Yeah. Do you not get time to make vlogs or do you not get time to edit and post them? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. It's it's like it's just every it, it, the editing I think is the biggest thing. If I didn't have to edit, I think I'd feel way more free to um to uh yeah just film constantly and just you know if I had like some magic edit fairy, you know I could just like or throw all my stuff at that and just be like yeah I spit out Joshua a Bardwell had editing. an assistant. Give it to him. Maybe, <laughs> but I think <laughs> but I think the edit is kind of the best part. That's what puts it all together so i don't know if i want to give that up it's it's tough I'll, I'll get to doing more of it i think like right now all i can say is i'm committed to keeping my channel alive and well and continuing to make videos that you know always have you know my personal touch to them so I'll, I, i'm just going to keep doing it i wish i could do more now and i will do more when i can just, yeah just look forward to more videos on your vlog thank you thank you so much 
yeah you're doing good work absolutely i love the quad camp idea we we kind of took that up here in connecticut did a little something of ours our own similar to that oh, awesome. um i wanted to ask you a personal question though mm-hmm. um ashley is she still yeah. down there with you i haven't seen her yeah no we still look, i i know i've been getting more and more comments being like where's it yeah so exactly where's yeah. ashley we have date night tomorrow. I'll just I'll just make sure to vlog it. I just I just haven't really vlogged with Ashley. I don't know. I when just it, haven't. No. Um, Here's what I want to know: When are we going to see the Drew and Ashley wedding vlog? Oh, ah. <laughs> oh man! Decline answer. <laughs> oh come on, you're getting old. Well, you're I I well I you know I don't I don't I don't know if we've decided if. You know, marriage or kids are you know right for us. But what I know is that well, I'm just saying both of those things are like the the classic you know steps in a relationship. But I mean, I love her very much and consider her my life partner, and you know plan to spend you know my life with her. And uh, whether or not that means marriage, I mean, I don't know. All right, I mean that's an honest answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have dyed hair, both of you. I mean, it seems like a good match. I know. That's a match made. <laughs> Actually, nice. she's been pretty colorful. She's naturally dark-haired, but she's been pretty much just going blonde now. I'm, I, I'm still the only one rocking the blue. And who, who wears more eye makeup? Uh, I, I mean, when she gets made up, her, but... But it's day-to-day. Or to leave the house without any makeup on than I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say thanks, Drew, for hanging out with us. It was definitely a blast talking to you. Um, you know, it is it is kind of bittersweet to have this be our last one because, I you know, just maybe we'll start it up again at some point. I know you guys had a podcast going that I loved listening to for quite a while. I know that mm-hmm. with Maddie, you know, every Maddie had kids and just all this kind of stuff happens and that's just right. the way of it. But I mean, at least we're all getting out there and flying and that's pretty much, I had to decide if I was going to keep doing podcast stuff or actually spend that little bit of time I have on the weekends actually going out and flying. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of where the group is at. I mean, but maybe, you know, never know, but you know what, man? It was well, I had a blast. I hope you guys bring it back. If you do, let me know. I'd you know be happy to come on again. I mean, this was this was super fun. Um, yeah, and I think you guys are you guys are great. So if you do it again, Aww. great. If not, I understand the uh, I understand the prior. I mean, like yeah, our own podcast pretty much just kind of fell off because of priorities. You know, for Maddie family and for us, we just want to like focus on the the show. You know, the video content. Yeah. So. Well, keep so. it up. You guys are doing great work. Um, you know, just take take the haters as the sign that you're making waves. It's it's always gonna happen. If you're not if you don't have any haters, you're not doing anything right, is basically how that it is works. an excellent perspective. And good luck on your birthday next year. Oh, thank you. 30. <laughs> good luck on all of your respective birthdays and however old you're turning. As, <laughs> thank as, you, Drew. <laughs> as you're older than I because you were calling me young at 30, but I, I yeah. feel old, so I can't imagine how you feel. <laughs> no, um. <laughs> we're all, some of us are younger than others in this group, but I'm probably the oldest. But John, I think you're the oldest. I'm, I'm probably the oldest. I have two kids, so that's how old I am. 
That's a, that's all right. I'm, I am older than Drew, but well, everybody's <laughs> older than Drew here. Well, anyway, so go check out go check out uh, you know Rotoriot.com. Watch their videos. Check out Drew Ladrib. He has like two, three, five, seven. I don't know how many YouTube channels to go check out. So go watch the videos. Get outside and go fly. It's been really gorgeous in a lot of parts of this country. So you know, just enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Thanks for listening to everyone who's listening to our show and our stupid ramblings. I hope you had a good time. Take care, everybody. Have a good night.